the greatest thing anyone can do that is in conflict is learn to pause. We could stop a lot of escalation if we just all would pause and think a bit before we talk or act. That's Monica Lichtenberger, and this is, well, that went sideways, a podcast that serves as a resource to help people have healthy, respectful communication. We present ideas, tools, and techniques to help you transform conflict in relationships of all kinds. October is Conflict Resolution Month in Colorado. We're going to talk with two experienced dispute resolution professionals about some of the goals and the activities planned for this month. And we'll also talk a bit about what it's like to be doing conflict resolution work during a pandemic. Our guests are Kristen Noble, a restorative justice practitioner who specializes in diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's also the lead synergizer for Conflict Resolution Month in Colorado. Also joining us is mediator and trainer Monica Lichtenberger. I'm Sam Fuqua, co-host of the program with Jess Rao. Hi, Jess. Hey, Sam. Well, welcome, Kristen and Monica. We're excited to talk with you about Conflict Resolution Month in Colorado. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Give our listeners just a quick overview of Conflict Resolution Month. What is the goal of this uh, this whole month of October and its focus on conflict resolution? The goal is to uh, kind of create a community of events and support and conversations and spaces around how to strengthen community and relationships through conversation and kind of problem solving. And so there are all sorts of different groups that kind of host events and create spaces to have those discussions and to share tools and to read books and to um, learn new techniques to solve problems and to resolve conflict. Um, And so in the month of October, we particularly kind of focus those events and those energies there. Um, and and Monica, we, we partner closely with Monica to, um, to promote a, a conference as well, if you want to talk about that, Monica. It's also a time where we celebrate the accomplishments of dispute resolution professionals. It's also a time where we get together and support each other and learn from each other besides formal training. Is there anything different this year? Well, I think there's a lot of things different, especially for dispute resolution practitioners, because we're used to meeting in person. And even when we're giving trainings now, everything is pretty much held on the internet. So we're doing dispute resolution processes on the internet. And although I believe that we have adapted very well to that, that personal component relationship, it's always stronger when you can meet face to face. And so I think, you know, that plays into it. And when there's so much conflict, you know, going on with the racial tensions, also with our elections, with COVID, many of those things are separating us in our relationships. And so I look forward to the day where we can all get to back together in the same room 
and continue to build stronger relationships face-to-face. -face. I might just add to that and say that I think we're also shifting to create more spaces for community in other ways that we haven't before. Um, I see more folks joining dialogue series and holding community spaces online to kind of process things. Um, in my restorative justice work, we're seeing a push for more preventative work. So more circles and more community building, uh, more mindfulness practices, more of those types of activities that really build connection between people. And we're seeing those that, you know, that happen online too. It's, it's just more so, I think, of a need as we're isolated because of uh, either COVID protocols if we're in person or COVID because we're at home working. Um, and I think that's, that's to our benefit as practitioners that we've been able to kind of pivot and create those processes. Um, as, as Monica mentioned, I think conflict resolution practitioners are used to being in person. So it's definitely been a shift for us. Um, all of our conferences this fall are going to be online. And so even creating those spaces for trainings, networking, you know, connections, um, it's, it's just going to be different this fall as it has been this whole year. Kristen, something that I love about Conflict Resolution Month uh, is how it's organized and how it gets put together every year. Can you describe that a little bit? You mentioned that you're the, the lead synergizer. Um, what is a synergizer and how does it get put together every year? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Jess. And I'm, I'm not really sure I know the exact answer to that. Um, so a synergizer is just someone who, um, you know, volunteers their time. They have a passion or a specific interest for conflict resolution. Um, and they are willing to kind of bring whatever talents and skills they have to the table to kind of create a space for us uh, to kind of strategize how we want our campaign to look for that year. Um, so if it is, you know, outreaching to a specific group or growing a strategy that we've had in years past, um, it's, it's a very malleable space. It's basically a group of folks that, you know, when they are in that space, they make the decisions. We don't have kind of a, a hierarchy of, oh, we need to check with so-and-so, or we have, you know, a, a board above us that we need approval from. It's basically um, based on consensus of those in the room present at that time. Um, so that makes us a little bit different. Um, but it also makes it very exciting because we definitely meet the needs of the folks in the room. And it's, it's very um, you know, malleable to where we go each year and, and what we pursue and, and what we hope to achieve each year. And what are some of the specific goals this year? Is there anything uh, unique? Yeah, this year we have, um, again, kind of tweaked our goals, um, kind of consolidated and streamlined them to uh, primarily focusing on activities around our book. So our book this year that we chose, we choose an annual book. Um, and our book this year is We Need to Talk by Celeste Headley. And we're very, very excited about that book. And so um, we have created a lot of, of efforts around kind of our, our book initiative this year. So within that, we created a reader's guide and we distribute that book widely across Colorado. 
we're going to distribute probably around 450 copies this year. Um, and those copies go to our uh, legislative folks. So our state senators and our house reps, um, our Lieutenant governor, our governor, um, appellate judges, district court judges, it goes to educators. This year we are doing more outreach to specifically vulnerable populations. So uh, for example, safe houses, uh, safe havens, domestic violence type organizations, folks that are kind of isolated in situations and they can you know, kind of sit down and, and read the book. So we're really excited about that. Um, and then we're also uh, for the first time, well, in, in my in my involvement in the in the group at least, um, helping to organize an event with with Monica around uh, Celeste Headley talking about her book. We need to talk and specifically bringing um, her skill sets and and kind of the tools within that book to practitioners. Conflict Resolution Month in Colorado has been around for quite a long time. Uh, what are some of the past highlights of the campaign or successes of the campaign? So in years past, we've had um, kind of an annual goal to create a resolution um, within our legislative system uh, for conflict resolution. And um, so in years past, we've, we've done that. And this year, we haven't done that. We still have achieved our um, state of Colorado proclamation through the governor's office and our city and county of Denver proclamation as, as in addition to other proclamations across the state. Uh, but that has been uh, usually a more targeted goal of um, advocacy work within our political spaces, shall we say. Um, additionally, in years past, we have really used our um, Talk It Out exhibit as a means to bringing visibility to our campaign and, and kind of providing tools and suggestions and awareness to problem solving and conflict resolution. This year, we've transitioned that to be a virtual exhibit, uh, which is very exciting, which hopefully will reach some, some folks that way. Um, but, but yeah, in years past, we've definitely had a more, I would say, robust campaign. But of course, this year, we've scaled back quite a bit due to capacity, uh, COVID, uh, all sorts of different things. But we're still very, very excited about our book campaign. We're excited about uh, the conference that we're working with Monica on and bringing Celeste Headley out and um, you know, some of these other initiatives that I've already mentioned. Monica, I wanted to come back to the idea of uh, celebrating some of the accomplishments. As you look around the conflict resolution landscape and the professional work being done, whether it's in your community in Colorado Springs or throughout the state, uh, what really gets you excited? What do you want to celebrate this year? Well, I like to celebrate even the new practitioners because they're the ones on the ground. They're out there trying to uh, get everyone excited about mediation as they are excited about. And so I like to celebrate, especially all my new students that are out there you know, promoting mediation and dispute resolution processes. I also think we always want to recognize the people that have really made instrumental changes in our community, in the state, maybe even in the nation. And so lots of organizations do this by having an award this year. 
or every year, they recognize practitioners in their field. I know Conflict Resolution Month does that. I know the Restorative Justice Council recognizes people who are experts in their field. And I think this year to celebrate that we have been creative as dispute resolution professionals and stepped up to the plate. Many of us have seen an increase in our business, even though we're having to do mediations online. And like Kristen said, we have been doing dialogues and circle processes to meet the needs of our communities. And so I really want to congratulate the people that are on the entry level who are doing the work on the ground this year and being creative to meet the needs of our communities. For all of us, this shift to online has been a kind of strange, kind of challenging. Are there particular things that either of you had to do as uh, as professionals to to make it work? And I'm not talking so much about the technology, but you know, when you can't be face to face with the people you're trying to help, what do you do? Well, I think one of the great benefits of mediating online is that you can draw from the strengths of the people you know. So for example, I co-mediated with a, co a mediator who was in Portugal. I think we can reach across state lines, countries to find people to help us, you know, with different areas of expertise. The other thing I think is quite an advantage of being online that you won't get in a room face to face is that parties and mediators can actually see their own facial expressions through their cameras on their computers. And it's amazing. I think it helps us with our nonverbals. So even though many people see Zoom or Google Hangouts or any platform that they're using, as cumbersome sometimes, I think it has some great advantages. And I think we're really blessed in many ways and can look at the more positive side of maybe this whole COVID virus happening. <laughs> but there are some benefits. Yeah, thanks. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, uh, you know, ability to see yourself yes, <laughs> and what, yes. you know, what, what you're presenting. Uh, in terms of your facial expressions. Uh, Kristen, anything to add to that? Yeah, I would just uh, definitely uh, agree with Monica on the kind of interconnectedness piece around space and, and location. Uh, I think that this year I've expanded more work um, through, you know, just connecting with folks either in other states or internationally, which is really exciting. Um, and then the other piece but I think, uh, you know, has always been a part of conflict resolution, but I think has just been uh, really focused on and, and rightly so is, is that that space for empathy within this work. I think as so many folks are, you know, either quarantined or working from home or whatever, you get a, a different glimpse into their lives and, and, and really they you know, get a different glimpse into your life as well. And so it humanizes the entire process more. So instead of just a professional 
um, you know, I think practitioners are now uh, being, you know, they're a parent or they are, um, you know, living in a certain location or, uh, you know, different backdrop to their Zoom or, you know, whatever to a, a different level of getting to know people online. Um, that, you know, when we when we show up in person and, and we're either just, you know, in our professional attire or whatever, you don't have that glimpse of who they really are. And so, and we're, and I'm seeing that with my clients, I'm seeing that with everyone um, that, you know, normally I wouldn't really know those specific, uh, you know, things about that person, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that glimpse into their background. So I think that's, that's been actually quite nice. And we've been able to really use different things to you know, innovate that process, such as using different talking pieces that really connect to your background or your value systems that normally you would just have you know, the same talking piece as everyone else in a shared community, but you can bring that piece of yourself to that process because of where you are in your location. However, I would also say there are many challenges of being on Zoom or other internet platforms. Uh, one case, I had a fire alarm going off and nobody knew whose fire alarm it was. So one by one, we had to mute ourselves to even just find out whose fire alarm was going off because it was so loud. Then you're dealing with dogs and children coming in. And especially if you're doing a divorce and there are children present, you have to deal with that. And sometimes people, although you get to know them in their setting, their personal setting, sometimes the backdrop that they have for them may be offensive to some of the people that are in the mediation. And so sometimes we have to stop and deal with that. And you really have to just be flexible and work with the people to resolve those issues that have never been issues before. Several times you all have talked about uh, celebrating Conflict Resolution Month, um, but also recognizing it. I'm not sure which, which uh, language is best. Recognize, celebrate Conflict Resolution Month, and wondering if there are any ways that you would suggest that people who maybe aren't involved in the conflict resolution world as mediators or practitioners um, how they might participate in that celebration or recognition. I mean, I would I would normally say, uh, you know, every year in November we have a celebration, so come and, and share some cake with us. Um, but obviously, we're not doing that this year. So, I mean, I I would say, you know, participate in some of these great events that are going on. Find out who is doing what. We have a calendar online conflict resolution month in Colorado skim through and see if there's any events that you're interested in. Attend um, you know, the conflict resolution conference in the Springs, which is a really great event. Um, there's just so many different events happening in, in almost every single city in Colorado. So I think that's a great way to celebrate is, you know, even if it's going to be online, just finding the conflict resolution community online, um, hearing the successes and hearing kind of how we've moved forward this year, and joining in. Thank you, Kristen, for the plug for our conference. Our conference, which is coming up October 15th, it's only $10. And we do 
uh, coordinate and plan this conference, not only for professionals, but for the general public. And so you will see that the agenda will help anyone to improve their conflict management skills. So it's not just for professionals. The other thing I would say to the general public is a way to celebrate, a way to honor and recognize that this is Conflict Resolution Day, the third Thursday of the month, and of course the whole month, is to reach out to someone with whom you're in conflict with and try to make amends. I think that is the greatest way we all can celebrate is by doing something positive to resolve some personal conflict that we have. I like to think about uh, what would happen in our wildest dreams. So I'm curious what you both would say is if Conflict Resolution Month were successful uh, to the point of your wildest dreams, what would Colorado look like or what would be different in our state? I think the greatest thing anyone can do that is in conflict is learn to pause. And so when you're in a conflict, if people would just not talk, not act for just even a mere 10 seconds, <laughs> but to just stop and think before they act, I think that would be success because I think so often people tend to say things they later regret or do actions they re regret. And I think we could stop a lot of escalation if we just all would pause and think a bit before we talk or act. That's what I'd like to see. I think that's the first step. And similarly, I would just say that um, there's a, a very special person in, in the conflict resolution community, the conflict resolution month in Colorado community, Eileen Hyatt, and in her kind of phrase is tell me more. So instead of jumping to conclusions and kind of, you know, assuming or generalizing or, you know, just taking your own judgments, but instead, you know, as, as Monica said, pause and then ask, you know, tell me more, come from that place of curiosity. And then my second would just be uh, that folks would know how to access resources, um, that they would know where in their community they could find support and help with, you know, be it a, a mediator or a, you know, restorative justice practitioner or whomever to help them through that conflict if they themselves do not have the tools. Kristen Noble, Monica Lichtenberger, thank you so much for speaking with us and thank you for your work. Thank you. Thank you. Kristen Noble is a restorative justice practitioner and the lead synergizer for Conflict Resolution Month in Colorado. Monica Lichtenberger is a mediator and trainer. For more information on many of the activities planned for the month, check out the website conflictresolutionmonth.org. That's conflictresolutionmonth.org. Our podcast is called Well, That Went Sideways. We produce new episodes twice a month. 
You can find them wherever you get your podcasts and on our website, sidewayspod.org. We also have information on our guests and links to more conflict resolution resources at the website. That's sidewayspod.org. Our program is produced by Mary Zinn, Jess Rao, and me, Sam Fuqua. Our theme music is by Mike Stewart. And this podcast is a partnership with the Conflict Center, a Denver-based nonprofit that provides practical skills and training for addressing everyday conflicts. Find out more at conflictcenter.org.